Hello and welcome to the Career Changers podcast. I'm Elisa Martinic and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of the Career Changers. I'm definitely one of them. I learned from my experience that following our dreams requires courage, self-awareness and a lot of inner work. I love to discover stories of career change and share them with the world as a source of inspiration for all those who are still searching. Career changes are not the straightforward chronology written in our CVs, but the sum up of our dreams, ambitions, failures and successes. The Career Changers is an online community that aims to inspire thousands of people during their journey to self-realization. We discover and share inspirational real-life stories of career change. We inspire people that are thinking to change career. We support people that want or need to change career, but feel stuck or lacking confidence and clarity. We connect and collaborate with organizations that support career change across different industries. I believe that thinking to have only one job or career in our life is a limiting belief unless the job or that career make us happy. Life is a journey, and with one third of our lives spent working, it would be unimaginable to not have a desire to explore new avenues. Welcome to the Career Changers podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Career Changers Today, we are meeting Rick Blewis, the perfect example of the saying, you're never too old to follow your dreams. In fact, it was until 2022, at the age of 77, that Rick's dream of being a published author was finally made into a reality with the best-selling, award-winning Pinion Scorpion historical mystery series. But before then that, Rick had careers in music as a rock performer, Grammy-nominated producer of over 50 records, and record company senior executive. In 2006, he also pushed a career in the publishing industry, working as a publishing company executive, where he has acquired works by noted authors and celebrities. Today, we are going to talk about his career change and why it's never too late, to make your dreams come true. Hi, Rick. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be here, Lisa. So, Rick, you are the perfect example of this thing. You're never too old to follow your dreams. In fact, it wasn't until 2022, at the age of 77, that your dream of being a published author was finally made into reality, thanks to your best-selling, award-winning uh, Pinion Scorpion mystery series. How did this happen? So I, um, I I had written a lot of nonfiction during my life. I had written a magazine and newspaper articles and had some chapters and some nonfiction anthologies, things like that. Um, it, it always as a sideline. I mean, you know, I, I had my regular jobs and career and uh, I just enjoyed writing. So I did that. Um, but then when I moved from New York City to Ashland, Oregon, where I currently live, uh, my next door neighbor was a published poet who was in a writing group. And uh, we got to be friendly. And she said to me, um, 
well, you know, I think that people in the group would like you. I think you'd like them. And um, maybe it'll stir your creative juices because we have memoirists, we have poets, we have novelists, we have everything in the group. Why don't you give it a try? Um, and so I joined the group. I really liked the people. and They seemed to like me. And it did get my creative juices going. And instead of writing nonfiction, I started writing fiction stor short stories. And I would bring them in each week and read a different story or part of a story and get feedback from the other writers. And then I brought in a short story featuring Scorpion. It was the very first thing I wrote about Scorpion. And I got a very different reaction from any reaction I got to any of the other stories I brought in. And that was, Rick, you've got to make this into a novel. This is going to be publishable. And so I did. And that's how it started. Oh, <laughs> so would you say to our listeners that it's never too late in life? That is my, that is kind of like my mantra, my credo is, you know, that um, it is never, ever too late. Uh, I mean, some examples, if you don't mind, um, you know, not, not just me, but I mean, like um, uh, Grandma Moses, you know, she didn't start painting until she was 77. And um, Colonel Sanders didn't start Kentucky Fried Chicken till he was 62. And there's a woman named Clara Peller, and you're, 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 the people listening and watching this um, may not recognize her voice, but she was in a commercial for Wendy's many years ago. And she uttered the very, what is now a legendary line in commercials, where's the beef? I don't know if you remember that commercial or not, but it was huge at the time. She was 81 years old when she made that commercial and it was her first acting, acting role. Um, so I, I absolutely, you know, um, Betty Friedan uh, made a quote that I, I just totally believe in it. She said, aging is not lost youth, but a new stage of opportunity and strength. And, you know, I, I, I just live by that. It, it's uh I think you need to chase your rainbows no matter what age you are, and that shouldn't stop as long as you have the energy and the interest no matter what your age. Oh, thank you. You are very inspirational, and there was no better way than starting this episode, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a step back now. Um, this was your latest achievement. But um, how did you start your professional life? Or better, what was your first job? Actually, my first, my first job was as a rock and roll musician. Um, and I think it was when I was about 12 years old. And in fact, I uh, had to be fingerprinted by the New York City Police Department to get a cabaret card to play in bars in New York because I was underage. Um, then my first kind of like a uh, real job, if you will, um, other than, you know, part time things I did growing up to pick up money was uh, in college. I uh, became a promotion man for a record company and I um, I did really well at that. And that led one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. And I always, as you had said, was involved in the music industry. But I was also always writing something 
at the same time. I, I co-wrote a science fiction rock opera um, and it almost got produced as a Broadway play and that was back in the 60s. Um, I, I don't know. To me, life's an adventure and it's like if you don't do things, it's way more boring than if you do things. <laughs> I definitely agree. Um, so what was your dream job when you were a child? Did you dream of being a musician, a rock star, or was something else? <laughs> well, I would have to say, no, no, no. I, I would have to say that um, my dream job, it, although I didn't know his name at the time, but my dream job when I was a child would be to be Mick Jagger. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great but, job. <laughs> yes. But the, the problem is I don't have enough of a voice to be Mick Jagger. Oh. <laughs> but uh, no, I always wanted to be a rock and roll star. And then um, I, I don't know, you know, I, I'm kind of lucky in that I have a pretty balanced left brain, right brain. So I've really been able through my entire life to do things that were creative and at the same time be a very strong businessman as well. So I, I sort of had parallel tracks my entire life and I liked both of them. So I guess, you know, on one hand, I, I wanted to be a rock star. And on the other hand, I also wanted to be a successful business person, especially one who was helping other artists achieve their dreams. So you mentioned that you started your music career very early in life. Do you consider that the moment uh, where you started your career in the music industry, or was that later on? Um, no, I, I mean, I had some records put out and stuff like that, but really my career in the music industry really started um, when <laughs> I got hired to run a company, a record company, for a small to run a small record company that was based in Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin, called Pleasure Records. Um, and it was owned by the, the husband and wife who owned all of the um, Weight Watchers um, franchises in the state of Wisconsin. But they also wanted to be in the record industry. And Ralph, who was the man, he was a piano player and put some albums out of his. And they wanted to have a little more success in that. So at a very, very young age, they hired me to run their company. And it was because I had had that promotion gig in college. Uh, it kind of, you know, it was like set me up for success, if you will. So that was really my first job. And then it was just dominoes. One thing led to another. And then I started producing records and that became a whole nother career. Hmm. So at some point you, you left uh, your career in the music industry. Um, what was your turning point moment? Um, my, my, my turning point moment was that I wasn't getting as much joy out of it as I did for the vast majority or almost all the other time that I was in the industry. The industry was changing. Um, it was in the early uh, 2000s. And, you know, Napster had just changed the entire paradigm of, uh, of downloading and selling music. And the, the record companies used to be owned by freewheeling entrepreneurs. And it was fun and it was exciting. And then they got bought up by 
you know, Wall Street like companies. And it became more of just a compartmentalized business. And it just wasn't as fun anymore. And so uh, my wife was also a senior executive in the music industry. And we both just kind of looked at each other and went, is this really what we want to do the rest of our lives? And we both said, no. And so we just said, okay, uh, let's stop and let's move. And we moved from New York to Oregon and let's see what the future brings. Uh, you know, no fear, just what the heck. So um, what did the future brought at the time? How did you decide to go into your next career? Well, I, I, get, I get bored really easily. Yeah. Um, in, in fact, a friend of mine who was a psychologist many years ago did biofeedback tests on me and found that I was more relaxed when I was problem solving than when I was trying to relax. So, <laughs> so um, when we moved out here and I really had nothing to do, I just started really getting bored. So what I did is I joined the boards of directors of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, the Independent Film Festival, the university here, um, ended up raising money for the food bank so that they could buy a building. And I did a lot of nonprofit work, but I still found that wasn't really fulfilling enough because I had all of this knowledge stored up that was going to waste and I, I wanted to be productive. So um, that's when I started doing the writing. And then I was fortunately introduced by a friend to Blackstone Publishing, which is based here in Ashland. They were Blackstone Audio at the time. They were an audio book company, now a full publisher. And I got introduced to them and uh, Craig Black, who founded the company and ran, was running it at the time, um, basically said to me, I don't know what I'm gonna do with you because he was talking to me and my wife. He said, but I know you guys have knowledge that my company could use. So he hired us as consultants. We went on his board of directors and then Deborah retired and I became a full-time employee and I've been one ever since. And that's now been 16 years, I guess. In your experience, what have been the pro and cons of your career in the music industry first and then in the publishing industry later? Uh, the, the, the pros really uh, from the music industry uh, were, the, it was a very exciting industry. Uh, I loved, as I said earlier, being able to help other artists achieve their goals and, and you know, make their careers happen. Um, it, it, was, uh, it was a well-paying industry, uh, you know, so that, that was good too. Um, and it was exciting and every day brought something new. There was a new record, I mean, you know, nothing was the same from one day to the next. And that, that was really kept it interesting. Um, the cons of the industry were, as I said, when it kind of got more corporate and you had to follow corporate rules and, you know, and things that you might try, you know, in, weren't allowed to be tried anymore. Um, the other thing that I found at times a, a, a con about the industry and I didn't let it happen to me was, uh, but I saw what it did to other people was, was the amount of drugs that were done mm -hmm. by many people and how it affected their lives in a very negative way. 
And I, you know, you really had to be conscious not to have that happen to you. And most people I know in the industry didn't let it happen to them. But boy, I know some horror stories of people who did, and it's just terrible. So that that was really an issue too. Uh, I loved it. I loved being part of the industry. Um, I don't have any cons with the, with the publishing industry at all. Uh, it, you know, the, the prose art's very similar to the music industry. The transition was very, very easy because, you know, I'm just trading a record for a book. They're both pieces of entertainment. They're both, you know, creations that somebody created. And a lot of the accounts that sell them sell both, like, you know, like an Amazon and a Barnes and Noble, et cetera. They're, not, they're book and music sellers. So it was really a, a pretty easy transition. And again, I've enjoyed working with all the authors that I work with and all the work I'm doing. And, you know, I, I have nothing bad to say about the publishing industry and everything good to say about Blackstone. Fabulous mm -hmm. company, fabulous people. So do you have any particular um, memories, uh, any stories to share, some some parts of, uh, from both careers, something that you remember specifically? <laughs> oh, they, you know, there, were, there were quite a few things I remember, especially about the music industry. Um, but, uh, you know, one one thing that I've never shared anywhere else. So, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I, I've been asked the question, at other times, but I will share something with you that I have never shared with anyone else. And it's kind of like a, a little, just a little side glimpse of it. So I was, uh, my wife, it was my former wife. She and I were invited to go to a party at the home of a, uh, a big music industry super executive, if you will. And, um, and we, we were told to bring our, our son with us. And I think our son was probably about five at the time, maybe four. Um, and so we go to the, this party, there's hundreds of people there, this enormous state-like house. And um, I start talking to people, my wife starts talking to people. And after a little while, she comes to me and goes, where's our son? Do you have him? And I go, no, I thought you had him. And so we start going through the house trying to find our son. We know he couldn't be outside, so we weren't worried, but you know, it'd be nice to know where he is. Well, I walk into the living room of this house that has a grand piano. And sitting at the piano is Donna Summer, and she's singing and playing. And my son is sitting on her lap banging on the piano with her <laughs> oh that's a story definitely so, so speaking of donna because she's one of the uh, artists that i did a lot of work on i also did a lot of work with uh, gene simmons of kiss and um you know aside from the fact that the very first time i met gene was uh at his manager's office and we, I came there to present the marketing campaign to them that I had put together for Kiss's latest album. And when I got in there, Gene said, um, listen, I want to hear your, uh, I want to hear your uh, marketing plan, but I've devised one too. Do you mind listening to mine first? And so I said, sure, go for it. And I got to tell you, my plan was good. His plan was better 
And, uh, and we used a combination of both plans, but I got to know Gene really well. And he was a phenomenal businessman. I mean, just tremendous businessman. And I was once speaking of Donna Summer, invited by Gene to go to a Donna Summer concert with him at Forest Hills Tennis Stadium. And when we got there, now Gene was not wearing makeup. You know, the, the band was in makeup, but they were never seen outside. So Gene was kind of paranoid about the, the paparazzi spotting him out of makeup and taking pictures of him. So Gene made me sit in front of him and he kept his head in his lap the entire concert, pulling on my shoulder the whole time going, Rick, does anybody notice me? Is anybody photographing me? And I would turn around and say to Gene, Gene, no, no one knows what you look like without your makeup anyway. <laughs> so that lasted the whole concert. And at the end of the concert, when we finally left, Gene turned to me and said, I'm really bummed that nobody recognized me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so how do you think, with our choices, many times we have an impact uh, on the world and also on the people around us. How do you think you've made uh, a difference in the past? And, and how do you think today you're making the world a better place through your work? Well, actually, I think the past and the present are the same. I, I, I don't think I have changed in that regard. And, and it's really that uh, I've always been a mentor uh, to younger people. In fact, I'm, I'm writing a book now on how to be a great leader that maximizes both profits and people. Because, you know, there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there who are very, very successful, but they are horrid bosses that people don't like working for. And I've always tried to be the exact opposite of that. I've always tried to be the kind of a boss that people wanted to work for and enjoyed working for and gave them the freedom to fly, but at the same time, maximized profits and you know had success for the companies that I was charged with working for. That's the same today as, as it was my entire career. And, and it also for those musicians and authors whose books and records I acquired or worked um, in their careers, it, you know, I, I just feel that um, I contributed to helping get them to be successful and bringing their works in front of the public. Um, that, that's pretty much... Now, lately, I've been doing lectures and uh, to Ollie groups, which are, you know, at colleges for seniors mainly. And I've been doing lectures on you're never too old to follow your dreams. And part, of, and part of my message really is to people online and in those, in those presentations is trying to motivate and inspire other seniors not to give up on their lives just because they reached a certain age. Oh, that's great. I love that. <laughs> so we're reaching the end of this episode, but we have still a few questions. Uh, what type of advice would you give to anyone looking to change their careers based on your experience? Uh, well, I would say first be realistic and make sure whatever career you want to go into is something that you can succeed at. Uh, 
you know, but at the same time, if you want to go into a career that's in the arts where nothing is guaranteed, if you will, take the shot. You know, I mean, what do you have to lose? You know, you're not going to take shots when you're buried six feet in the ground. So if you don't take shots now, when are you going to take them? You know, the, the, it's, it's like be fearless. What do you got to lose? And, and you know, it's like, and talking about what you got to lose, another, another suggestion I would make is um, don't, don't let rejection and negativity turn you off or discourage you. Anybody that does anything in the arts almost by definition, is going to have something negative or rejection of something that they've done. It kind of comes with the territory. So you just have to go, okay, that's par for the course. Next. You, know, you just can't, you can't let it stop you. You know, I, I've, um, I, I've always focused on my successes and just ignored my failures. You know, it, it's sort of like if, if, if all you do is remember your failures, you're always going to be disappointed. So remember your successes and enjoy your life. Yeah, great advice. <laughs> um, so we're reaching, uh, now is really the last question, but uh, is there anything that you would like to share before uh, with our listeners, like if they want to find your books, or if they want to reach out to you, uh, where and how they can find any information? Sure. Well, I would certainly like to encourage uh, people to uh, take a shot at uh, my Pinon Scorpion and the Barbershop Detective books, the first one being that title and the second, which just came out two days ago, uh, Murder in Haxford. They're, they're classic throwback whodunits to the Agatha Christie and Sherlock Holmes era, if you like that kind of a not too bloody, not too gory, just fun mystery with quirky characters. Think, I think people will love it. Um, the way people can get a hold of me is my website is my name, rickblyweiss.com. Uh, it may be hard to spell, but <laughs> it, it's... Uh, they will it, find uh, it. They will find it written in the podcast anyway. <laughs> good, excellent. And um, also I, I'm open to people... Uh, emailing me. My email is created by Rick at gmail.com. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm in, in the habit of helping people where I can be of assistance. Great. So now the last question, if you could give yourself a piece of advice, what would you say to your younger self? <laughs> okay. What most people don't know is that when I was younger, I was an inherently shy person. I spent a lot of time in my room doing things by myself. Not that I didn't have friends, but I was kind of shy. And I think if I go, go back, I would say two things. I would say, number one, don't be so shy. Get out there, take shots. Fortunately, I grew out of that. But I certainly would have said that. And the second thing I would have said to myself is, women don't bite. <laughs> Well, good advice. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Rike, so much for joining us today and sharing your inspirational career story and also your wisdom with our listeners. My pleasure. And thank you for having me. <laughs> and the last message for our listeners, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and tune in uh, next week for a new inspirational episode of The Career Changes.
Thank you.